What a difference. The Talkbuster Podcast. Hi, I'm Chris Chipman. You may remember me from such podcasts as the Chipman Brothers Tangent and Creating Geeks, a parenting podcast of great responsibility. I'm here to bring you back to the late 90s, early 2000s, a time of amrays and clamshells, a time of late fees and VHS tapes being replaced by DVDs, a time of stale gumballs and overpriced candy. Yes, that's right. I am talking about the time of Blockbuster Video, the Walmart of the video rental industry, the mom-and-pop video store killer, the corporate big-choice video store that everybody loved to hate. Blockbuster is mostly gone now. Kids today will never know the crazy Friday and Saturday nights with lines wrapped around the store to rent the next big movie. No more will regulars, who are in the know, arrive at 10 a.m. on Tuesdays to snatch up the new rentals that week before the weekend rush. Most of all, no longer will young movie geeks like myself have the memories I, and many others like me, made while working there. You see, under all of the corporate evil and bad practices, Blockbuster was a home, a comfort, a place where I made lifelong friends and even met my wife. It is because of these memories that I, and I'm sure many of you, have that the Talkbuster podcast was created, a place for me and others to share our memories of what once was, of the before time, of the long, long ago. I'm looking forward to see where this goes, how it evolves. Join me, won't you? Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Talkbuster podcast. As always, I am your host, Chris Chipman, a.k.a. The Chippa. And before I get into today's returning guest, who happens to be one of those very special and unique people that still gets to in some way, shape, and form work with a Blockbuster video that's still open. Um, I'm going to thank my $15 or more a month patrons because you guys keep this thing going. You are Mason, Christopher Finnick, Patricia Chipman, Hugh K. Campbell Jr., Alex Peregrine, Kevin CV, Mike the Gatherer, Tyler Freshcorn, Mark Price, Collaborating Online, Alex Shaw, Seth Comfort, Seth Decker, Andrew Krause, Little Nikki, Robert V. Aldrich, Aaron Moriarty, Carolyn Thompson, Scott Arcuri, and Shore Hunson Gusted. You guys are all incredible, and I really appreciate the support. Um, it makes it even more, more worthwhile to do what I already love and enjoy doing. And with that, returning guest Dave Carrera, remind people that may have not heard your um, earlier episodes what you do. Hey, Chris, good, good to be with you. Um, I'm actually one of the last, well, I guess I'm the last um, person on the corporate side of Blockbuster Video that's still working with uh, the guys out in Bend, Oregon, um, supporting them. Uh, I used to work with the um, uh, corporate IT team here in Dallas and in McKinney, Texas. And uh, in um, 2014, when the uh, uh, corporate stores were, were closed, a number of the franchisees decided to stay in business. Uh, and continue to um, uh, operate as Blockbuster Banner locations. Uh, and I took on the role of independently contracting with them to continue to support their systems uh, all the way through. And while a number of stores have obviously closed, I'm still working with the last store, which is up there in Bend, um, and working to support them up through today. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's it's always great to talk to you because it's a completely different view from both when it was a corporate entity and even now than I think most of us that remember the company have. You know, you're not going to find a whole lot of people left that worked on your side or at least are, you know, 
running around talking to people about it. So I, th I think yeah. it's a really fascinating story. And it is, you know, since we talked last, you know, since you and I talked last, I learned what family video was, talked to people who worked for family video, and now family video is gone too. So like one of the last remaining bastions of a franchise, right? Um, that, exactly. That was Exactly. And as, as a matter of fact, it's kind of funny, actually, um, the um, because of the fact that we live in uh, I live in Dallas um, and a lot of the corporate uh, ex corporate guys are still in Dallas. We get the benefit of kind of hearing um, Blockbuster put into context in terms of news stories that might come out during the day, you know, when, when they're talking about movies that might be streaming or or um, uh, things that people do for entertainment and so forth, particularly with the pandemic, right? Um, yeah. As people are trying to stream movies and so forth, you know, Blockbuster always sort of comes up. And, um, you know, back in the days of Blockbuster, that kind of thing. And when you mentioned Family Video, when Family Video decided that they were going to go ahead and close, a uh, local news station here, um, uh, ABC affiliate here in Dallas, WFAA, actually did a story on... on uh, uh, family video and by proxy about us uh, talking about how, you know, the last of the video stores, you know, the typical news story, right? The last of the video stores are closing right. down and everything else. And and he, in his story, he actually referred to it as the last video stores. And I said, well, now, wait a minute. <laughs> There's still one out there, you know, I'm still carrying the torch for him. Uh, and I, I actually, as a as sort of a tongue-in-cheek thing, I kind of wrote, uh, I decided that I was going to go ahead and contact him. And I, I wrote to him uh, just about a story and about how much I enjoyed it and everything. And uh, But I mentioned to him that we were still working together with Ben Store, And he said, he, he kind of laughed saying that he was wondering if anybody from the corporate office was going to actually contact him because he had been reminded that the store and bend was still operating so he's hoping that someday in the future at some point you know when the whole thing kind of finalizes at some point in the future that he can come back and do another story about us so i'm hoping that that comes back around where we can actually do another sort of a last hurrah for blockbuster so i'm looking forward to that someday in the future so um uh, obviously we want that to be pushed out as far as possible but uh, that, you know, gone, but not forgotten, I guess is the lesson of the day for that one. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, that the family video thing was wild. Cause when I spoke with them, they were, I mean, it's, they, they were trying really hard to stay relevant, right? Of, of course the pandemic is hard, right? But right. they, they had, you know, outlived plenty of other, you know, big issues. Right. So I spoke to someone who worked, you know, at the the management, you know, in IT and was, you know, uh, basically brand management. And they were like, even, you know, a couple of weeks before the closure happened, they were very positive that that wasn't going to happen. And, and then it did. And that was a huge bummer. Cause like, I don't know if you knew this, they're a huge part of season four of stranger things. Oh, see, I didn't realize that. Yeah. So it was a joke, but I guess the city that they, were ba filming stranger things in for exterior shots in earlier seasons just happens to have a family video in it and had a oh. family video in it in 1985 right when the show took place so they said wouldn't it be funny if one of the characters worked there and so in season four one of the characters has a job at a family video and it was going to be a big brand tie-in 
they even sell the family video um stranger things branded um they uh little vests that the guy so like they're gonna have all of this stuff and now it's gonna be people thinking oh they're just doing it after they closed is like a wink and a nudge but when they did it it was supposed to be a big tie-in yeah it wow that's that's pretty amazing i mean when you can do some some uh, brand tie-in like that but then have it have things change so quickly that's uh right. that's really too bad i i assume that they might have been impacted by the uh, like everyone else has been been uh impacted by the pandemic but i i hope that that's not the case because obviously people would have been caught by that off guard and it would have hadn't happened suddenly um but as with anything i guess you know economy and time kind of dictates how that goes yeah um, oh yeah yeah i know that you know it it was sort of like um on the corporate side you know there was sort of like a long goodbye you know <laughs> yeah I, I think it's probably the better way to put it you know some people kind of like okay well you know i'm ready to move on i'm ready to put up my rear view mirror or whatever but there was a there was a a long list of people who had put you know their career into the thing and and, and it was kind of one of those long goodbyes so i um have had a, a the privilege and the opportunity to continue to work with the guys in bend and you know and and with the other franchisees who had taken me on right after uh, 2014 and you know it's been quite a privilege but I think that, uh, uh, you know, at that point when at some point in the future, when they finally decide that, you know, we're going to go ahead and, and close it down, I, I, it'll be a pretty sad kind of a deal, uh, but it'll be bittersweet, right? I'll be able to look up, back on it with fond memories mm -hmm. and be able to, to put it in the context of, you know, we did everything that we could to keep it going as long as we could. And I, I think that that's, I think that that's kind of a, like I said, the long goodbye, you can kind of leave it with, okay, well, we did what we could exactly exactly now um not to bring up uh you know anything sad or bad that's going on but i you know forgetting until you said it at the beginning there you're in texas right now are um how are you doing at the time of recording of this texas is still in the middle of their electrical infrastructure breakdown um yeah. are you guys doing okay yeah you know uh fortunately and thank you for asking i know that a lot of people out there are still suffering um the ill effects of last week you know down here it's it's one of those things where you know it, it, i don't know how it is where you are but when uh when we actually have a, a a storm like that it's one of those things that the saying down here in texas is kind of you know wait five minutes and the weather will change exactly uh, exactly yeah. yep it, you know, we were coming out of um, 60 degree weather and then we went down to, you know, uh, very below temperatures. As a matter of fact, uh, where we where we are here, it got down as low as minus four, which is which is completely unheard of. As a matter of fact, it was the coldest that it had been, um, you know, in 75 years for us. So it, it's literally a once in a generation or maybe even once in a lifetime kind of an event. But um the uh the problem was of course power uh and with uh, by virtue of that the um a lot of the uh, pumping stations for uh fresh water um you know the pipes froze up and they had lost electrical power so they weren't able to provide fresh water it had impacted um fort worth which is west of dallas and particularly in austin and houston got hit really hard with the water problem up here 
um, depending on how you look at it, fortunately or not fortunately, it was mostly the power problem. Um, fortunately, power has pretty much been restored to the entire state. Uh, we're just left with the few people who have uh, um, uh, down lines that are in the far reaches of the county out in the rural areas. Um, but people are still hurting with trying to get water um, in some areas of uh, uh, Austin and Fort Worth and Houston um, as they try to, you know, fl the water's back on, but it's that they're trying to pump through fresh water. And so they're still under boil orders and things like that. Um, yeah. But but last week, it, it just totally caught everybody off guard as to how severe the, uh, I mean, we were notified, you know, but it was like a week advance. Okay, get ready. You know, you're going to have zero degree temperatures and everybody's, you know, flipping out. But uh, it went quickly from a Hallmark movie of Christmas to, you know, Mad Max and the Hunger Games down here. Um, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, when you, when you've got a situation to where all of Texas, you know, from Dallas to to Del Rio to Houston and even Galveston have snow on the ground, it's a pretty serious event. Yeah, uh, you're describing, you know, something that would be a catastrophic event for for here. I mean, we get bad winters, but we, you know, we, you know, minus four degree weather and a huge storm still is going to knock the power out and everything here. Yeah. Yeah. So, but when you have a place that's completely unprepared, oh, I just can't even imagine. I feel so bad for for everybody. Exactly. And, I, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, back to that whole, like, wait for the weather to change on a dime. You know, we were minus four last Wednesday morning and today, Monday, uh, right now it's 66 and bright sunshine of course. outside. Of course. So, you know, it's, it's just, you know, how do you prepare, right? You know, so... It's it's you, this this was our last uh, you know I shouldn't make light of this because it is a serious event but last week we were kind of joking a little bit because uh, you know you can't do anything but kind of laugh it off but last week we were joking kind of a little bit saying you know the guys downtown would probably be making decisions as to whether or not the offices were going to be open or not so. oh yeah. yeah oh yeah oh absolutely we um. We were joking the same thing when the pandemic started. It'd be like, you know, well, corporate would be there arguing, <laughs> arguing. Yeah. That, well, we're a special case, right? We're, we're, we're a, <laughs> you'll become cheap. Because yeah. I remember, I remember when we had a, uh, I don't know if I told you this on one of the episodes we did, but we had a, one of the chemical fire extinguishers go off in the Dropbox. Oh my gosh. And the store just got covered. It, it looked, unfortunately, like, you know, imagery of like, you know, a disaster, you know, in the store, everything was covered in dust and yeah. they were like, yeah, you know, you should stay open. We're like, we can't, we like, we don't even know what this stuff's going to do to people's lungs. Like, we need to, like <laughs> you know, that, that kind of thing, you know, you'd have a, you'd have a problem in a store. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that because we'd have a problem in a store that would occur, um, uh, you know, whatever that would be, power outage. Uh, uh, we even had someone, you know, occasionally you'd have someone that would accidentally drive through a store, although I don't know yep. how you accidentally drive through a store. But we would have someone that would accidentally drive through a store and and uh, in stores that I was helping with as an AM. And uh, people would come to the to the window and, you know, you got a car in the store with the, you know, two full plane glass windows like knocked out and the cars in the store and they're upset that they can't come in and rent. And I'm like, um, <laughs> you know, 
well, why don't you give us a little bit of, a bit of time to get the car out of the way, and then we'll be able to rent to you. You know, so you, you can't help but kind of shake your head. But, <laughs> you know, but it's with so the uh, with the uh, pandemic coming along, I, you know, I, I kind of rang my hands quite a bit last last year when the pandemic was kicking believe it or not boy i can't even believe it's been a year right right um with the pandemic a year ago i was i was really afraid for the guys up in in, in Bend, not only from a uh safety reason primarily you know interacting with the customers directly face to face but i was really concerned from them from a business perspective and how they were going to be able to manage it and you know what that would mean you know uh but it's quite obvious that that after a lot of um discussion and planning that they really had a plan to move forward and service the customers and you know what a blessing it is to have them up there uh that whole team and sandy's team up there uh running the store i just you know i i can't even say enough good things about dealing with them um uh, both at sandy's level all the store staff uh, even Ken Tisher, um, who I talk to occasionally uh, for managerial uh, reasons, uh, you know, what a blessing it is to have them up there running the last doors and to be kind of the trustee of the last store, you know. Um, they really, uh, and, and the the movie, The Last Blockbuster, uh, you know, that whole um, sort of view into how they run the store and take a real personal stake in the thing, uh, it, it's it's nice to see that it validates every assumption that I had about their approach and how they run the thing, uh, because dealing with them for the last seven years now, um, you know, I could tell that that was kind of their approach, but the movie just sort of validated all my assumptions. Um, yeah, and and absolutely. it really was very nice to see that. And I that was that was one of the next things I was going to ask was had you gotten a chance to see it since we talked last because I. I was blown away at how, not only at how well it seemed to capture them, like you're, you're just talking to them and getting to know them and then watching the movie. It's like, there's, this isn't, this isn't putting on a facade here. This is these people. Like, this is how they are when I've talked to them. It was, I felt like I was part of it, you know, just talking in the background while they were making it and then watching it. And I'm like, like, I remember when they were telling me about this exact thing going on, like this is so cool. But, um, I also was really happy at how much of the movie got blockbuster. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, it, it was told with a, um, a, uh, from a, uh, it was interesting because it was told from a customer's perspective, right? Because yes. they, were, they were people who would, had come into blockbuster and they were able to explain what the experience of shopping as a customer was, but, the nice part about it is that, like you said, they included so much of the um, sort of uh, view of the of the store staff and the fact that they have just as much um, uh, respect and uh, desire to please the customers as uh, they enjoyed coming into the store. And yeah. and I think that you know what a. a, a I just keep going back to uh, the only word that I could come up with was just being like a brand ambassador, you know, it's like, talk about total corporate speak. Right. 
but if, right. you were to, oh, yeah. if you were to like find some some group or some team of people in the store uh, to be a brand ambassador for how I viewed the whole thing and how I I wish that people would be able to view us collectively. Um, I thought that it came off very well, and it wasn't staged, you know. Yeah, that's what you I mean. Know? There was no. It, I mean, even even when you get the people in there that had less than positive things to say, it was in a good amount of humor and respect. Like I've I've seen, you know Lloyd Kaufman is a freaking riot, right? And getting yeah. the and you know if anybody is going to have something negative to say about the impact stores like Blockbuster had on making video movies, it would be that guy. But from what Taylor had told me, he was still like, you know, incredibly respectful and like super like good about it. And, and he just, you know, Lloyd's going to play a role and he's going to play a character, but to have a movie made so many years later, that isn't like, that isn't a cynical um, thing about how capitalism and corporate stuff was bad. And you should hate this. And you know, th- this had a terrible impact on the world and all this. Instead, it's just people going, no, you know, for some of us, this is all we had. This was our connection to this. And exactly. Exactly. It, it, it could have very easily tipped the other direction. And I think yeah. it would have been, it would have left, uh, uh, not only would it have been disappointing to, 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 you know, have lost that opportunity to kind of share with the public our view of what we felt like the store was like, um, it would have been, you know, okay, well, here we go again. You know, here's another, you know, corporate bad, you know, small people, small uh, uh, mom and pop place good. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, we get that, but we've done that story before, right? You know, it, it, uh, it taking it out of the context of, you know, uh, you know, corporate greed versus uh, mom and pop and putting it back at the level of, Hey, this is just a a good way for people to serve the public and the community by providing them good entertainment. And here's the people who have taken it upon themselves to do that. You know, it 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 really kind of brought home the whole thing. And ironically, I think it, it's interesting how it came full circle, right? You know, they started out with the whole, well, you know, Blockbuster had a better idea, and they came in and they kind of took over the because they said it a little bit, right? They came in and yeah, took over a lot of the mom and pops and everything else. But you know, here's someone who's still doing it, and they're running the big corporate name Blockbuster, and they're running it like a mom and pop, you know? Yes. <laughs> so, so it it goes back to you know the you know business one hundred and one, right? The customer's always right. You provide good customer service. You know, you treat people like you want to be treated and you'll be able to reap the successes of customer, uh, customer satisfaction. And, and that, that's, it should be a case study. I think, um, it's how, how Alan Payne ran his stores yes, and how, uh, Ken obviously runs his stores. And, uh, you know, now that we're down to one, of course, but, uh, you know, I, I, we're all reasonable about the thing, right? We realize that there's a clock on it, but you know, how cool is it that out of all the people that they could have ended up with, it's not somebody who's 
sour on the thing and just doing it to get a check. This is someone who's actually invested in the community. And I, I really appreciate that. And that's, that's all the people I find now, right? You know, this, this show, the mentality that I entered into doing this podcast with was exactly what they put on film in that movie, right? It's that, you know, this is what it meant to the people. And we don't mean just the people using the product. We mean the people that worked there, the people that came up with the idea, the people that, you know, were there grinding through, you know, the corporate meetings to make yeah. sure it happened. Whoever it was, it's what it meant to them, not necessarily what, um, not what some person making money at the very, very top what it meant to them. And I think that's a really great story to tell. And I've found three or four still operating, you know, mom and pop video stores that aren't, you know, like the big scarecrow videos and places like that, that have gone and found a different way to do it. Like, you know, they've, Oh, we'll become a nonprofit and we'll do stuff for the community. You know, things that are just still operating like this store, right. And all the stories, all it's amazing how it's all the same person. The guy that owns this store is just like Ken Tisher, is just like Alan Payne. It's this, no, I did it because I love it and my community still wants it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And yeah. that's it's, super important. Exactly. Exactly. And 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 how cool is it that, that they were able to tell that story in a way to where, you know, you can actually look back on it and you're kind of like, wow, this, you know, I was really part of something, you know. That's that's pretty that's a that's a pretty special balance to have in a way to tell a story to where you can actually get the story told, but yet have so much buy-in from the people who you're actually telling the story about. That's pretty cool. Another weird thing to think about. And I don't know, you know, since you've been in it since 2014, it's, it's interesting how quickly. And, and again, this goes with the mentality of today's culture, right? But, you know, when I was a kid, something would close down and, you'd still remember it for a while, you know, yeah. like there, this, the, the blockbuster being gone is only seven years ago. This is yeah. a weird thing to think about. It feels to me like it was 20 years ago. Right. <laughs> it, I know, right? And this, I don't know if you've heard the, I, I ended up being able to get Zeke cam on as well. Um, who, you know, made, made the movie with Taylor and mm -hmm. Zeke telling the story about Taylor bringing up to him, you know, he invited him over to like watch a movie and he says, Hey, I got an idea for a new project. I'm thinking of doing a documentary about Blockbuster. And Zeke says to him, Oh, cool. You know, wouldn't it be great if there was still one you could go into? Right. And he yeah. goes, no, 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 no. The one up the street, dude. And he goes, what do you mean? And that, that vacant one that I drive by all the time, he goes, no, dude, it's open. Yeah. <laughs> was literally how the conversation went like you just we so quickly got so ingrained to it not being there anymore that yeah. we don't even notice it the way we used to notice things like a physical thing you could see cars in the parking lot you'd still go yeah that's not a thing anymore i don't even see it yeah you know, <laughs> you know i i uh i run into that sometimes here when i'm you know i'll for whatever reasons, I'll run into somebody and they'll say, you know, you know, how are things going? What are you doing? You know, where are you working these days? Something like that, you know, and I'll, uh, and these are people that don't necessarily know that I'd worked for Blockbuster, you know, all my life, much less still. And, 
they uh, every once in a while they'll they'll say, hey, you know, what do you do, or you know, what do you what are you working on, and I'll tell them that I'm working with Blockbuster, and they give me that kind of a sideways look, like a dog that's confused, and they they kind of look at me like what, and then I have to explain it to them, and then they're kind of like, wow, really? And they have that sort of a realization. And then they, and then this is the, this is the cool part. They get kind of that smile on their face and then they get yep. that whole, I remember back when, and then they'll tell me some story. Right. And you know, it's not like, Oh man, I got to pay this late fees or, Oh, you know, I got to, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or let me tell you about this time that someone wouldn't let me skate on a late fee or something like now it's always with a smile. Right. And so there's always sort of like a remembrance about it. And, uh, and so I think, uh, to tell you the honest truth, that's, that's part of the nostalgia, I guess, of the story. I, I was watching, um, a documentary. I'm sure that a lot of people that have listened to the podcast have seen it, but I was watching that, the documentary about the Eagles, uh, the, the rock group, the Eagles, and yep. they were talking about, you know, what's the, what's the definition of the success and how, how have you had so much success and why are your songs still popular and so forth to so many people across so many different generations and uh uh glenn fry was talking with a group of people and glenn fry said it's because people use your music to you know it it, it defines a particular portion of their life right yeah. they broke up to a particular song they did a road trip with a particular song they did a you know there was some event that was about their music right and to listen to the to the stories that they were talking about on on the, during the movie about you know driving in the car and you're you know you're with your girlfriend and you're going to decide whether or not well is she going to get the movie or am I going to get the movie or what are we going to decide and we're going to have pop you know it's this whole like event right <laughs> and people today that are younger than us obviously don't realize that you know you're entertainment was either you went to the theater or you went to blockbuster yeah you know it wasn't just well let's just flip on whatever and sit there and watch it in our lap on an ipad it was you went to the movie or you went to blockbuster or and then and then you, you know. own it right yeah. then and you've made that decision and you're you're stuck with it so exactly people exactly. would watch something that they didn't necessarily you know, they might go out outside yeah. of their comfort zone, but then have to f follow it through. Whereas yeah. if you and click on something on Netflix, you decide within five minutes if you're going to enjoy it and you move on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, 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 and people would have to shop. That's the other thing. People would actually have to shop. So it wasn't just that you, I mean, sometimes you did. You go in there and say, I want to get a particular movie and you go in there and get it and walk out, you know, provided it was there. But some people would actually go on and shop and it would take a long time, right? Cause you yep. have to look through all the BSI. You have to look all the way through the new release wall. You'd have to, you know, all of that. And now people are just like, eh, you know, let's flip on. Uh, oh, okay. Here's a movie. Let's watch this. You know, the, the whole aspect of the shopping experience is gone. Right. That's why in, uh, when we had talked last time, I was complaining about the fact that the interfaces for so many streaming services are so weak, you know, Yes. because because the whole concept of suggestive rentals and suggestive sales and the interaction of a heavy seen this and all of that, that's all gone from the experience. And it's kind of a, you know, it's, it's very transactional, you know, you, you, you basically have to go in kind of knowing what you want to watch, 
and then you yeah. watch it and then that's kind of it you know um and and taking that a step further i think that that's why um even now more than ever there's a longing for some of that catalog uh titles now because you know hollywood's running so thin obviously with the lack of titles coming out due to the pandemic uh, you know, it's a tough, it's, it's pretty, uh, barren out there in terms of yeah. new content, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I think that the, the streaming services, and this is across all of them, I'm not picking on just one, you know, you know, Hulu, Netflix, all of them, uh, would do be, be better served by coming up with a better way to have a BSI interface. So for any entrepreneurs out there that are looking for a good way to get something done, they should come up with a way to do a better BSI interface for, you know, titles so you can go out and find and shop. I think that that would be something that would be of, of significant value. Define to BSI for, for people. Cause oh, I, sorry. I'm sitting there going, I know exactly what he's talking about. No, no. Cause in my mind, I'm going, someone's going to listen to this and go, yeah, that's great. What does he mean? Yeah. I'm sorry. You know, I just, I'll throw out all the lingo there. So no, it's okay. Yeah. I, yeah. Most like I remember I was calling um VHS cassette boxes AMRAs for like a half an hour conversation with someone and they went, What do you mean? What is that? I'm like, tell the clip box. <laughs> oh, okay. so, yeah, so the so you basically when you walk into the store, you have you have although there are different sections within the store, obviously, based on you know genre, there's basically two different types. You either have the new release titles. Or you have BSI, and BSI yep. is actually basically everything in the middle, and it actually refers to basic store inventory as a acronym. And ding, ding, ding. Yeah, so it's basically everything that's not a new release, which yep. is is kind of a, a funny way to, to categorize it, but the BSI titles are basically everything in the middle. Um, yeah, wouldn't it be great if, you know... And again, with, with Blockbuster being, you know, the, the named entity owned by Dish Network that's just licensed out to this one last place and a few people making um, uh, clothing, you know, wouldn't it be awesome for someone to enter to create one of these that functions like a video store? One of these oh, that would, be, that would be great. And hell, make it a freaking digital thing you walk around in do it with a vr headset if you want you know or something just some way to physically scroll through i mean look at places that have done it and made it work i mean the original ipod right yeah or you you know or the first one that had graphics you know they've thrown this up you used to scroll through your albums you know what i mean and you'd see the artwork and you could move through it you know there there needs to be a better way that's not just um, the, the way I look at Netflix and things now is they're, they're set up like an end cap, you know, yeah. it's set up to be something that catches your eye and maybe, you know, the recommendations that it's set up. Okay. Maybe we can equate that to an employee favorite section, but other that's, than that, that's, that's, very, yeah, that's a very good observation. I like that comparison. That's very, very good observation. You can't really dig and, you know, like, mo and you're right. The way that I stream and watch stuff now is I decide I want to watch a movie and then I do a Google search to find out which one of the streaming services I have has it on it. Exactly. Know? I don't exactly. I don't go into Netflix and go, give me an action movie. 
<laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It just doesn't work that way. Yeah, and 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 when you do that, or if you if you try to do it that way, the results that they give you back are usually a bunch of just junk, you know. Or they're you limited, and catered by an algorithm, and it's like yeah. I don't want that. <laughs> I, yeah, the know, whole like you know them deciding what it is they are or are not going to show me and all this. Give me an alphabetical list of everything you got. You know, let me, let me do the, let my fingers do the walking. And let that be an option. I mean, I get, I get that, you know, I mean, that would be like telling a blockbuster not to have, you know, a hot new release, you know, um, picture or, you know, whatever. That's like not having advertising, but now you're basically like watching movies on a weekly advertisement catalog. <laughs> that's not what consumerism that's not what made us fall in love with a video store you know right. what i mean exactly door it might have got it might have got the impulse buyer and your parents in the door and that that there's i mean that's just corporate business right there's something to be said for all of that and it's important but you know netflix isn't a movie theater you go to the movie theater and you've got a menu of like 20 movies, in, you know, the good times and, you know, four, like in the now times, right? But you have a menu and that's right. it. Net, Netflix and the streaming services are trying to pare down to that menu out of millions of titles they have at their fingertips. And right. it's causing people to, I mean, I'd say the majority of people are just fine with it, but it's, when you want something, you can't find it. And when you want to browse, you can't browse. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I think that, uh, that at some point, I, I think that because of the number of, and I, we've talked about this before, you know, at some point, because of the number of different services and because of the lack of additional original content by each one of those individual services, I think at some point the industry is probably going to concatenate all that down into, you know, a few service providers of streaming, the actual function of streaming, and then the the uh, the service providers as we know them today, the Hulu's, the Netflix's, the Primes, the those guys are probably going to turn into more content providers, right? Yeah. And they'll almost turn into like studios, and. I think that that, you know, it's probably still a good ways away, but I think at some point that'll probably have to happen because, you know, like in the case of Disney, you know, I'm a Mandalorian fan and, you oh, know, yeah. some of those other ones, you know, but, you know, it's, it's kind of like, okay, I've watched Mandalorian. Uh, okay. I'll twiddle my thumbs for a year, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, that, and see, that's the interesting thing, right? Is if only these other streaming services could encompass more than just one company's product. Exactly. But be, more, but be more like Disney Plus. I actually prefer Disney Plus's setup to a lot of the other ones because you can go show me everything Star Wars. Exactly. Exactly. And it just show me everything animated that you've ever made. And it's just there. And I I think um you're right. It, 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 we're in like the like like teenage days of America online now, right? Where America online and Netscape and everyone treated the internet like it was something that needed to be provided. And it was the hardest thing to understand when you looked up an ethernet cord for the first time that <laughs> no, your computer just goes online. You don't right. need that. You know, 
Exactly. Exactly. I think that, I, yeah. I, I, <laughs> see, you, you got the good analogies today. That's that's good. I like that. Um, you don't need Netflix or Hulu to watch this. You need the streaming provider, which is now the internet, right? Are we going to end up with 15, you know, streaming providers that then all box themselves together so you buy one person's box that they all yeah. hook up to? And now it's like, crap, we're up to paying $200 a month again, and the whole reason to get away from Comcast just comes back, you yeah, know? It, you know, how ironic would that be, right? As much as we struggled to get away from single-service providers, and then we would, we okay, let's open it all up, and then we would come back down again. I think, you know... It's uh, it's almost akin to uh, the uh, small phone phone versus the big phone, right? Yeah. You know, okay, I want no, the screen's too big. I'm going to get a real small. Oh, well, I need a bigger screen. You know, we're <laughs> back and right. forth on the thing. I think the market will eventually dictate that it'll have to go that direction, though, where we're going to get a handful of studio content, quote unquote, guys, and then we'll get like a couple of streaming services because. Um, you know, with people wanting to cut the cord, so to speak, on a lot of these big guys like DirecTV or Dish or uh, Comcast and so forth, I think that if you, if you, you know, then make them go and buy all of these other services all a cart, it's actually they're going to find that it's going to be more expensive. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So it it might end up backfiring on them, you know, to a certain extent, but. Like I said, I, I myself, I'm I'm always able to find something out there because I'm pretty adventurous when it comes to new titles um, and uh, and series. I like the series that are out there, so I'm always um, I'm always looking for something new to watch or even old. Right. I am um, <laughs> speaking of fun things. Uh, the, you just you reminded me of something that I always like to to plug recently because I was just so floored by this movie, and you had talked about. Hallmark Christmas movies and stuff. Uh, have you ever delved into to Shutter, the streaming service Shutter? I have not. No. Are you are you a horror fan at all? Uh, you know, uh, sort of peripherally. I've got okay. some friends that are way into it, and I'm, I'm more of an action person. I don't mind cool. horror films, but I've got a lot of friends who are horror or horror film fans. I just want to tell you there there's one that I encountered recently on Shutter that I feel would have been a perfect type of movie to do incredibly good business at Blockbuster. Oh, and yeah. it just it reminds me of something that like being an employee and being able to describe this movie to people. So there's this movie that showed up on Shutter that got rave reviews called Anything for Jackson. Have you heard of it? No, I haven't. So it's it's a classic but subverted and done a little different than normal. Um like, you know, like the the satanic panic kind of movies from like the 70s and 80s, though. Okay, oh, wow. this this person's doing something a little off. Okay, there's devil worship involved. Okay, it's kind of like the exorcist. You know, it's in that kind of genre kind of a thing. But <laughs> the, the cool spin on it that they do is the two people that are the villains are too incredibly easy to be empathetic with elderly people that are just adorable and super nice that lost a grandson and oh. they believe they've found a way to bring him back by possessing a pregnant lady's kid with oh, this kid's God. body so he can come back and they're like nothing but nice to the lady that they're doing it to like they're incredible and so it's this weird like 
because it's a very, very, very intense horror movie, but also incredibly well written and incredibly well acted. And I watched it and I was just blown away by it. But what really makes it the sell is the guy, the director and writer of it have made nothing but Hallmark Christmas movies before this. Oh, wow. (laughs) It's just the weirdest thing. Like they went from, you know, like, um, you know, Christmas in Nantucket to anything for Jackson. And you sit there and go, I actually am trying to get the guy, the writer and director on the show. And they seemed interested when I said, I need to know the story. Like, was it that this is what you always wanted to make? And those were, you know, just what you did to, you know, to try your hand and get work and, you know, get better. You know, you just journeymen, you know, just making movies and having a good time. Or is it that, no, you really, really like outwardly just love making Christmas movies, but you also had this weird horror film in your back pocket at the same time. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a there's a group of actors and actresses out there, directors, I'm sure, that that are able to make that transition so seamlessly that you're like, wow, this person is pretty versatile. It's almost like a uh, John Lithgow or something like that, where they're yes. able to play super psycho, creepy killers, and then they're also able to do like kids films, you know, <laughs> so- or, or cartoon voiceovers, you know, and uh you know, it's it's that sort of a sort of a narrow thread that you have, but uh, it sounds pretty interesting. I might have to check that one out. It's a very good movie too. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't try to steer it. It's there's definitely some horrifying things that go on in it, but it, at the end of the day, it's just a very good movie. And I went like not to undermine the need for you know light, silly you know holiday romance movies either, but they just don't seem to mesh. <laughs> you know, like at all. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know when you have uh, when you have something that can show uh, uh, on Hallmark, and then pretty much anything else is going to be kind of a you know big swing, right? Right. But it just be like if, if if Tarantino tomorrow was like, you know what I've always wanted to do was a was a G-rated animated musical. You go, <laughs> what? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you thought that they'd lost his mind, but then you're like, oh well, it's going to be Tarantino, so you're kind of waiting for the for this. You know, it it's like a, you mentioned Tarantino. Uh, I had seen um, uh, the one that he had done recently, the Hollywood. Yes, uh, yeah, once upon I, a time in Hollywood. Yeah, once upon a time in Hollywood. You know, and I'm watching it with a couple of friends, and we're in the theater, and we're just we're waiting for the the Tarantino esque uh-huh. part of it, right? And and you know, we're waiting all the way through the film, and you know, it, I won't spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it. But you know, then then the sort of the Tarantino kind of stuff kind of happens, uh-huh. and you know, it's you know, you're at the end of the film, and you're like, really? Uh, you know, you kind of like scratching your head, like, uh, okay, I guess it was Tarantino. I, you know, I, yeah, I don't know. He was really subdued in that one, and then like, and then he just goes, "Hey, by the way, I, this was me." <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you you you're kind of expecting the, you know Sam Jackson to walk through the side of the you know door and and yep. kind of start laying into somebody with some sort of a Ezekiel speech or something. You know, it, it, it was just so different. You know, you're kind of waiting, you're yep. bracing yourself, right, with all of that other baggage that he has from the other genre, and it's a, it, it's very uh, jarring when you run into something like that. So yeah, I, you know. So people after after I watched it, people were like, "Well, what did you think about it?" And I was like, "Well, I don't know what to think of it." You know, 
Yeah, it's it's an odd movie. It really is. Yeah. Uh, he definitely he definitely was 100% on board and in love with what he was putting on screen. I just yeah. don't know um I don't know if it makes an interesting movie or not. I I haven't been able to figure that out yet. It seems more that that was for him. Yeah. You know? It it was it, it seemed a little uh um just that. It seemed a little self-indulgent. It was a little uh, oh, yeah. Not not necessarily in a bad way. It was just like, hey, I'm going to go try this, you know? Yeah. I just want to make a movie about old Hollywood. Um, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> What's it, it going to be about? You know, old Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and it was good. It was just that, like, you yeah, know, take yeah. away from it. I'm, I'm really just not sure what I'm supposed to take away from it. When, you know, like each of the previous films they had done had made like a real specific statement, you know, your reservoir yes. dogs, you know, Pulp Fiction, you know, you you have these, you know, uh, Jackie Brown, which I loved Jackie Brown, you know, all yes. of those particular films, you know, made this very complex character statement. And, and this one was just kind of like, uh, okay. So I guess that I, at that point, I guess you really got a lot of, of pull in Hollywood when you can actually go so far off the reservation in, in your own genre, uh, you know, cause he almost has his own genre, right? Yeah, he does. When he can go that far off, off the reservation for that kind of a genre and come up with something that's like that, that, that means you've really got to the, to a high point in Hollywood, I guess. I just, oh, yeah. uh, very interesting. So I'm sorry I digress about Quentin Tarantino there. No, no, it's it's a really good point, and it's it's exactly why I bring movies like this up because I that exact conversation is a conversation we would have with customers. Yes, yes, exactly. You got something that's actually interesting, and and I feel like there's a lot of great content coming out on these services, but they don't have. I guess like maybe Twitter is taking the place of it. It needs those people to get enthusiastic about it. Yeah, you know, you know uh, and I was talking with uh, uh, some friends of mine just, you know, get together occasionally and, you know, just kind of reminisce about stuff. And, you know, I was reminding them that back when um, back when I first started at Medallion Center, of all places, you know, here in Dallas, um, and that would have been, golly, early, very early 90s. You know, we were so busy back then that we actually had... Um, a you know that i don't know how your store was laid out but we had the three counter sections you know the membership area and then the middle sort of csr area quote unquote and then the side area which was kind of check-ins and dropbox and all of that well of course we didn't have an outside dropbox but we did have the the little sort of mail slot and we were so busy that we actually had two people uh in that position even on a friday night that did nothing but check in and put away tapes all night long. And that was one of the very first jobs that I had was doing that because, you know, you get oriented in the store, you get your feet wet and how the thing runs. But, uh, and the reason why I mentioned that was just because of what we were talking about, because that's where people would hang out, right? Because that that's where they would right inside the door. They would sit there. And the first thing they do is they'd say, do you have X for rent? You know, and, we the first thing that they would do because smart shoppers would know to check at the return desk first, and you know we'd have like you know two or three hundred films there that hadn't been put back on the shelf yet, and then we would start that conversation about hey have you seen this or 
hey, have you seen this particular type of movie? What movies are you into? Hey, maybe I could suggest something to you. And that that whole conversation, I, I really miss that because it was yeah. just so, you know, laid back. And so... Uh, it was laid back and it had nothing to do with selling anything. Yeah. That's, that's even though that's what it did. That was yeah. the was the outcome it was literally like you you're you're working in a video store probably because you like movies these people are coming into this store because they like movies and because you only have a very limited product scope of what you sell there's no one you're going to find that you're not going to be able to have a conversation with about it exactly exactly and and you've already got an interested audience right in your conversation and so that it was a way to meet people, meet the public, um, and you know it 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 took away the it, it, for a, a, a employee being onboarded, it kind of took away the sort of initial fear of dealing with the public, right? Because yeah. you know, a lot of the times you get the the first time employees who you know this is their first job or maybe just you know their second job and that's the first time that they've actually had to face to face interact with the public uh, in a retail sense and being able to put them on that uh, job made it real easy because they were able to kind of walk through the store and kind of learn how to interact with people casually um, and being able to help them find a selection and everything. And it, it kind of got them acclimated to dealing with the public. And I, and I, I think that it was a very good way to, have the store laid out and I, I appreciated the opportunity to do that as a as a first-time employee uh of course i'd had jobs before that but you know it just it got your feet wet and kind of how the thing process worked and i really enjoyed that and it, exactly and it was a perfectly benign way to um get someone acclimated on the job training wise because you it's not really there's not a whole high risk of yeah not yeah. being good at that job, right? If you can look at the title of a movie and put it back, and if someone asks you, hey, what about this? Or, hey, where's action? Or hey, this, It's a very easy thing to be good at quickly, mm-hmm. or at least have the knowledge base to do quickly without, you know, the training of, do you know how to process a check? And do you know how to do the credit machine? And do you know how to run the T-Bow? Yes. Do you know how exactly. to do this? <laughs> exactly. You know, it 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 uh, it got you the ability to kind of lock walk before you run, and because the you know when you're actually running a till, you know, obviously things changed as it <laughs> went by in terms of number of years. But very early on, it was high pressure. It was almost like working a grocery store, except it was yeah. worse because the line never ended, right? Yeah, it was it was a line to the wall all night long, and it was just one customer to the next customer, next customer, next customer, at least when you were putting away tapes, you know, you had to build and notice I say tapes, not DVDs. When you're putting away uh, tapes, you had the ability to actually talk with the customers. And, and, and it was actually the line that we used at corporate, which was, you know, man, I wish that was, you know, it was so much easier when all I had to worry about was putting away tapes, you know, <laughs> and that doesn't speak badly about that position. It's just that, Everybody got the joke, right? Because it was so yep. less, so much less pressure when you're doing something like that, and uh, and kind of having that, having that fun experience. Oh, you know, and before I forget, actually, I was I was thinking about the uh, the movie. You know, now uh, Sandy's actually within the six or seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. You know, 
Yep. <laughs> I I pointed that out to her the other day that she's actually within the within the six to seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. And she was like, Really? I go, Yeah, I I, I you know, now that you're listed on IMDB, you should go play the game because I've got there in, in like six hops. Yeah. <laughs> and she 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 thought that was pretty funny. So for all of you guys out there that play the six degrees or seven degrees of separate uh, uh, separation to Kevin Bacon, she's within the she's within that that uh, number of degrees. I thought that was pretty funny. That's incredible. Oh my! Well, you know what a year we've had. I'm I'm just yeah, so. Oh. I you know I uh, I know that the that the COVID thing out there has just really caused a lot of um angst and fear and uh and uh real worry um with people but um you know i just you know it's it's one of those things to where once we get through this uh i'm confident that once we get through the summer and once the uh, vaccine really takes hold you know people are going to get to the other side of this thing and um you know we're going to be able to you know go out and enjoy each other's company directly again. And the reason why I say that is because I still plan at some point to make the pilgrimage out there to bend. And I have my, I'm looking at my, my membership card. I still have my opening day membership card from medallion back in 85. Awesome. And the plan is to go. And I, I, I did a little checking. As a matter of fact, I was checking on this a few weeks ago. I did a little checking on their store system and the plan is to go out there and to quick add uh, my membership card into their system, so I'll have the Alpha and the Omega. Yep, yep. I'm so. going to do the same thing. I've already talked to Sandy about, you know, I'd like to open a membership when I get out there under under my very first membership number. Yeah, um, employee. That's what I have the number. I know it. <laughs> so. so yeah, if, and for those who, for those old schoolers out there who might be listening to this. Um, just so you'll know, uh, the, uh, the card that I have is for, um, back when we had two digit store codes, alphanumeric. Yes. So I have, so I have X one is the store code from medallion center and I'm customer 20, 2027. That's awesome. So I'll be, I'll be adding that. And, uh, and the plan is to actually carry this on Facebook live or whatever media platform that we'll be using at that point. But I want to yeah. share that out on the uh, remembering blue and gold blockbuster uh, page out there. So we can actually do a, a little uh, broadcast from there. So well, I'm looking forward I, to I that. Hope, I hope that we can somehow coordinate it. So I'm there too. Cause I, I would uh, love to, I think that that would be a lot of fun. It really would, it would be a blast. Um, yeah. And, and also, uh, I don't know if you had a chance to talk with Alan Payne, but his book is coming out shortly. Yes. We're, we are coordinating that. I don't know if this episode or his will air first, but yes, be on the lookout for that. Or if you've already listened to it, thank you all that I'm, I'm, I, I had always thought it would be great to reach out to him and thank you for bridging that contact because he, he is a guy I've always wanted just to talk to. I, I love his enthusiasm and how much he actually cared and watching him in the movie that was so devastating. I don't, I don't know if you knew, but literally he dropped the news to them right before they recorded that segment that he had had to close the stores in Alaska. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, just, it, oh. 
it was just uh, you know he uh, Alan was instrumental, uh, very instrumental in um, laying sort of the the seeds, if you will, of the infrastructure and the technical infrastructure that was going to be required to actually allow the the stores that continued forward because it was him and the stores out in uh, Florida and uh, Ken and his group out in in uh, Oregon who actually continued to go past uh, 2014 and and Alan uh, uh, being in close proximity it really helped because he was just down in Austin but Alan was uh, instrumental in getting us the um, support and the and the the assistance that we needed to actually transition and take over from Blockbuster Corporate to allow us to continue to support the store. So I, you know, I, it absolutely would not have been possible without his assistance. Um, and uh, he uh, and I had talked at some length about some of the um, uh, content that he was going to put in his book, and he had shared with me a couple of stories he was putting in there. I had considered myself fairly plugged in because I'd had a lot of friends who worked in, in uh, the corporate office downtown as well in McKinney. And I had, you know, would go down and attend meetings and high, high level meetings downtown sometimes. And I considered myself pretty well plugged in. But some of the stories he was telling me that are included in his book, I had never heard before. And they were very enlightening um, in terms of the um, sort of the thinking and the mindset of upper upper management at the time that he was uh, a franchisee uh and i think everybody out there will find it a really interesting read uh, to have his perspective on it um i can't can't wait um i feel uh, the fun thing about recording podcasts and never knowing you know like as soon as him and i record i'm getting it put out for him because i want to help him promote the book so i like to be able to say now well i can't wait to read it or (laughs) Hey, I read it and it was awesome. And yeah. I'm just gonna leave both of those in there. <laughs> you know, I I tell you what, I I uh, you know, it's one of those things to where I kind of sit there and I'm I'm uh, you know, I knew some of the stories that he had he had told, but he was like, well, let me tell you what really happened. You know, <laughs> you know, it was that kind of a conversation, and I yeah. uh, I had so much fun um, uh, reading the couple of little snippets that he had sent me for uh, uh, just to kind of you know, here's kind of the direction that it's going. And I, I just, I loved it. I loved every word of it. Um, and I'm, I'm not a, uh, a big time reader. Um, you know, I'm more in the video and the, as you'd anticipate, I'm more in the video and, and sort of, uh, media side of it. But, uh, uh, I just, I, I sat down and read through and almost in one shot. I just couldn't even put it down because it was very interesting to me. about his take on things. So I, I hope that everybody will find it as interesting as I did. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many, you know, people that were just touched by all of this. And I people get very cynical about the need for these stories, you know, and, and the the um, people's reaction to this show and people's reaction to Sandy and everyone. It, it you know, and just, you know, that day uh, the Blockbuster account, you know, showed up on Twitter for an hour to talk about the uh, um when they did the, uh, I want to say Uber, not Uber, the um, the home thing, the 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 stay a night in the blockbuster thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, what is that called? B and B, the Airbnb. There, I know why I can never remember it, but I don't know if you saw, but it was amazing that that 
blockbuster corporate Twitter account showed up and said, hey, it's been a while, you know, yeah. 14 years. And people went nuts. Yeah, and it absolutely, it always, absolutely caught fire when when uh, and, uh, viral, uh, talk about a viral communication. As a matter of fact, I had a, a, a handful of people that I talked to regularly about uh, friends from Blockbuster uh, in years past, it, a handful of people still know that I'm still working with them, and they they reached out to me. And they were like, "Have you heard this? What what's going on out there?" Is it right? <laughs> and I'm like, "It's a real deal." <laughs> and what's amazing about it, right, is that see, I, I talked to Sandy very shortly after that, and I was like, "So you know, obviously you have to clear to do something like that, you know, with." with dish and i'm imagining that that twitter account was just logged into by someone from dish who, who went and did that but she goes yeah she goes you'd think that would be like a cross promotion we had no idea they were going to do that they just went ahead and did that you know <laughs> and it's like that's awesome like yeah. you, you know you it, it's just such a cool thing to think you know I, I think what we should do is we should plan a um you know once we get to the point when we feel like we can travel um and you know listen to me like i'm like i'm saying that that that's a really testament of the times right once you yeah. determine whether or not it's okay to travel you know here we are a year after the thing started um but we will get there i'm confident but when we can travel again i want to go up there and it would be really fun to kind of coordinate one of those things and put a group of people together and just have like a movie night out there i think it would be oh uh, that'd be really it'd be it'd be a lot of fun it really would um, and I know they've done block parties before and stuff like that. I think it, to, to be able to do that would be great. To stage some sort of low-scale blockbuster reunion. Sure, sure. Or even have, uh, or even have a video, um, uh, some sort of a video wall conference or something like that. I think it would be a blast. Oh, I'd love that. We, we so be on the lookout, listeners, because we're going to make this happen. Yeah, I think this would be really cool. Yeah. So for all the listeners out there, you know, we'll, uh, Chris and I will do our best to try and put this thing together. I can't guarantee when exactly it's going to be, but you know, um, uh, I will for certain myself be going out there, whether it be now or at some point, you know, very soon or heaven forbid, should something happen to where, you know, things change out there, I will go out there before they're, uh, while yeah, they're still if they, there. If they announce their closing, which I really hope that they never do. But, you know, if it's yeah. sooner than the inevitable, everything has to end someday. Yeah. Uh, but if it's like, say, a month from now, yeah, screw, screw the pandemic. I'm finding a way to get out there. Even if I had to drive myself all the way out there, you know, flying is still a little bit of a question mark at this particular point. But, you know, it, weather, weather permitting and the fact that I have four tires on my car, I'm going to get in the car and get out there. So, uh, you know, Sandy, watch out. We're on the way. <laughs> if they hold, if they hold up till the end of March, um, I'll have had my second vaccine. So go me. Oh, well, there you go. Good for you. Good. For Very you. lucky. Very lucky. I, I live in a city where the numbers are horrible. Um, and so they, um, they just started, um, whether or not they're going to get away with it for long they've started basically just telling all the residents just come here we we have extra we have to get rid of them if we don't use them so and we can't give them to anyone that isn't in the city or the law of you know yeah. traceability and all that and it's like it's all so part of it is like you feel ethically bad because you're like someone else could get this but when they're telling you no 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 like 
there's no loophole here. We need to give this to people. They're just trying to keep the city safe because Lynn is a very close proximity, very um, easy to spread a disease around in town. And yeah. uh, the numbers have been god awful. And, uh, well, you're you're absolutely right, and I, I you know you you think about the um, the people, the first responders out there that are of all different levels of people that are actually running and manning these sites um, to do the uh, vaccines. I mean, God bless them, right? They're got their trying to make it make a difference, and what a difference they're they're actually making. I don't I don't even see um, that there's much higher of a calling at this particular point than the guys, uh, men and women that are out there. Uh, running these sites right now, um, you know, risking their health to yep. be at the front line, uh, really at the front line of trying to make a difference. I mean, how often of an op- uh, does an opportunity like that come where you can actually make a tactile difference in the health of the entire nation? That's that's pretty that's pretty da- daunting, you know. Yeah, um, and I'm hoping that their work will allow us to be able to. Um, uh, come together for something as as fun and as uh, sort of uh, a reunion as as uh, going out there. Um, yeah, let's, so let's start a let's start a conversation and coordinate this. Maybe we can get a maybe we can get some of these um, other people that are tied to the store with um with contacts, you know, to uh, to help out as well. Not not calling out anybody by name, people that are listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and you know, I would, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of throw this out there too. You know, if we had had, if this had happened several years ago, you know, I, I think that we would have been really in a lot worse trouble. And yeah. I don't mean that from a medical thing. I mean that from an economic thing because yep. the ability for us to even remotely work from home, uh, remotely work remotely. Uh, is attributed to the fact that you know the infrastructure is there from an IT perspective to actually make something like that happen. I th- the, oh, the, yeah. the the blessing, uh, the the side blessing of this thing is that it happened when it did. If it was going to happen at all, because if it had happened several years ago, heck, even when we had uh, back in fourteen when we had shut down the corporate stores, if it had happened back then, I think that the challenge, the technical challenge of being able to allow people to work from home and all of that, the, the infrastructure just wasn't there. And I think it's, that you know, the, as, uh, as the consequences sad, would have been so much more dire. As sad as it, it all, as all of it is, this is um, put to test and improved a lot of those infrastructures. And yes. I think the, I think when the dust settles, you know, the, the opportunities for um, people with disabilities to be able to take on more, um, high-end jobs you know but places you know all like just watching my company which is a very fairly small company in the quick shift they took to now we have the ability for people to work remotely we have all the safety and security figured out and now you can just do it and how much smoother that's made things operate anyway yeah Yeah, you know it absolutely this this thing has dispelled the notion that you actually have to have people in the office physically view physically in the office to actually be productive uh, workers, and and it, and it's it's completely turned that whole sort of assumption on its head um, because you know we've been forced to actually make it work, and and we've actually proven 
that working remotely is actually possible. And, and, and because of the fact that so many people are so accustomed to working from home and, you know, being able to do video conferencing and everything, it's just sort of a ubiquitous thing now. Uh, I think that, you know, being able to put together uh, what we're talking about going out there and then having some sort of a large video conference wall um, or even doing your podcast but doing it video and doing it live, I think would be very doable. We're going to make this happen. So things to come, everybody. Good stuff. So, and again, that's the positive, right? You know, pe- people are, you can't get the cynicism out of stuff. People are going to go, you know, and I hear it a lot about this show and about anything that's corporate or consumerist or anything physical that involves you having to purchase or do something these trivial things that people are so quick to go, well, none of that matters anymore. It's like, we're going to need all this stuff when we finally get through this. Exactly. We're going to need little things. We're going to need little pockets of happiness. And oh, so what if a piece of physical media or a dumb movie gives me that a bit of happiness? If, because one person doing that, you get cynical about, oh, it's just one guy that likes it. But you get a group of people together enjoying it and watch the way it moves that crowd of people. Yeah. That's not, at the end of the day, someone's still trying to make a buck off of it. But that reaction has nothing to do with the amount of money they spent. Exactly. 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 I, I totally agree. And I, I, like I said, I, um, um, I think that, um, when we get to the other side of this thing, uh, and I know that we will, I, you know, people always kind of look at me and they're like, man, you're, you're really a half glass full kind of guy. And I'm like, well, you know, there's no other way to do it. Otherwise, you just sort of crawl under a rock and you wouldn't be able to get up in the morning. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm convinced, I'm, you know, at the core, I'm convinced that we'll get through to the, to the other side of this thing. And yeah, I mean, it's going to be a pain and it's going to be a long road and, you know, there's been so much grief over the past year, but people have figured it out. You know, um, people have figured out how to work from home. They figured out how to, you know, teach the kids, uh, keep them in school at home. Um, and you know, we're all going to be better for it once we get to the other side. I'm not saying that I'm that there's anything good about the pandemic because there isn't. It's just that, um, you know, we're going to come through the other side of this thing. And we'll be a whole lot stronger for it. It shows that we're still able to come together um, big time. Yes. You know? It agree. shows that humans can solve problems um, and that we can put aside things and solve it. You know, obviously the things that divide us are what has made it last longer and take longer. But at the end of the day, that's still that resolution still. still yeah. And, and, if, and if nothing else, it'll just be it'll be nice to just have the ability to turn on the TV and not hear that constant drumbeat of the world's coming to an end. And if you go outside, you're going to kill your grandparents. Yep. And you know, it's how selfish yep. are you for this and that and another. It's just we'll be done with it. You know, it'll be. Yeah, we made it through the other side. It's was a horrible thing. It was, you know, we never want it to happen again, but you know, we're wiser for it. And when, uh, you know, now we can, now we can put the things in place to make sure that we can help mitigate as much as possible. 
uh, not only it happening again, but that if it does happen again, we'll know what we're getting into and we'll know what to expect. And I think that will be, um, you know, 90% of it right there, you know, exactly. and let the people take care of the less, the, the remaining 10%. So just my thoughts. No, I agree. It's, it's right on the same page. So, um, yeah, I am going to uh, call that. It is time for me to go back to work, unfortunately. And I know you have. Oh, a man. Where did the time go? It went fast. No, 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 I know. But I wanted to give you a chance if there was anything else you had in your mind or any shout outs or anything you wanted to give before um, before before I say until next time, because uh, we'll do this again for sure. And we have to make this happen. And maybe we can even uh, look into um, helping helping listeners fund our way out to Bend and make this happen. We'll have to look at that. I think that that's a great idea. And actually, I, I just want to thank you again for keeping the channel going and keeping the podcast going. I really enjoy them. Um, and to everyone out there who, um, former or even current, I can still say that, even current employees, former or current employees of the, of the stores at any level, whether you were in the store, corporate, McKinney, um, corporate downtown or anywhere else, um, you know, we appreciate the support. And um, for my part, I'll continue to work as hard as I can to try and keep it going as long as I can uh, with Sandy and Ken's help. Um, and um, hopefully we'll talk to you soon when things are a lot brighter outside and uh, we can actually get up there and have a good time at Bend. Awesome, Dave. Well, thank you for joining me. Thank you for making it a Talkbuster day. Thank, thank you. you for listening, for making it a Talkbuster night or day or whenever you're listening. Um, please be kind, rewind everybody, and we'll talk to you soon.